I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. I run with a fabulous circle of voters. Why be tardy to the party when you can simply just not go? I was like, where's that? Because, you know, what we don't have is nothing but time. We just are so lit. We're booked and busy. And you guys, happy whatever. It's Andy's Girls. (laughs) (laughs) It's episode 182. And I am so excited to be joined by none other than OG of the AG and co-host of the Amaz podcast you might know her from, which just returned with an impeccable launch of its second season. You guys, it's not third, third season. season. Third season. <laughs> because time is just a construct. And I'm so excited to say that because there's also construction going on outside my apartment. Uh, guys, <laughs> it's none other than Damien Bellino. Oh, my God. Damien Bellino. Oh, my God. Oh, Hello. my God. Welcome. It's... <laughs> Welcome. <Zoom. laughs> um, Damien, I feel like it's been a second since you were on. Yeah, Has it we, not been a second since I think you were the on? last time I was on was sort of at the turning point of um, Housewives of Beverly Hills. It was right when they were going to Italy, I believe, sometime around that. So we, it's been a minute. I don't even remember that, honestly. I feel like that was like a year ago. At this, I don't even remember Beverly Hills. Well, and then I was just reading. Sorry, not to like. Talk no, about do whatever. It. We're just gonna shoot the ship. So uh, I was just reading though about like 
Beverly Hills filming and like Garcelle and Kyle being seen filming. And then yeah, I was they like, look cute. reading a couple of rumors about a couple of people that like might be on the new season. And I was like, oh, like it's already starting. And then I, I always feel excited by casting news, but then like, it's like, how long am I waiting for this new season to come on? You know? I mean, I have to say if there is a way for Garcelle and Kyle to become actual genuine friends, I would fucking love it. I would love it. I am obviously Team Garcelle versus Team Kyle. I think what Kyle did during the reunion was horrifying and gross. However, I would love to see the two of them team up because I also think that Garcelle could hold Kyle accountable and is absolutely not interested, nor would she ever lower herself to the kind of role that Teddy played in that relationship and also on the show. I would love I don't know if it's gonna happen it could have just been like a fun and flirty brunch kind of thing but I would be I am here for it I if think it happens it was a probably people, what, you, a way for them to re- trying to see if they could reconcile from the reunion drama I think that um I hope that I I don't think that will happen and I hope it mm. doesn't I mm. pref- I need them to be adversaries because that's what Kyle wants. Like Kyle wants to remain untouchable and therefore to absorb who any, everybody else who is like anyone who doesn't like her, her challenges her. She just wants them to be like part of her clique, which includes like Erica and Teddy and whomever else Dorit, I guess. Just to play this out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What if it was Kyle and Garcelle versus Rinna? Some, I don't think Kyle would ever do it. I don't oh, think I, it would happen. I forgot about Rinna. Yeah. But I mean, wouldn't that be, um, because it's gonna be Rinna. I don't see Rinna because Garcelle is too smart to align herself with Rinna. I just well, nobody really can truly at the end of the day. But don't you think that would be magical? See, now I'm getting excited for Beverly Hills. What the fuck is happening? I Why know. did you do this to me? You I know. I'm sorry. I'm I think th- I think that Rinna needs a season of re- like quote unquote redemption in order to like get herself out of looking like such a terrible friend to Denise in order before anybody like before Garcelle would ever make that sort of alliance so I agree with you I think that would be exciting I just don't foresee that happening because then Kyle's like motivation against Rinna would seem so antithetical to how she had been behaving that whole season as well like she didn't call Rinna out at all during that uh, this most pre- previous season so for her to sort of there would need to be a catalyst that would make her flip on Rinna you know and I don't see that happening I don't is Erica fired yet <laughs> Well, I mean, the fandom fired her. I know. Of, I just like, do, online. I assume producers listen to like pay attention, but I don't know that they care, especially, you know, because they do these like um, they do. What are those things called? You know, like studies conversations. You know, oh, like, yeah. When they do like polling and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wonder how she does. Like, I wonder if people are into her because everybody that I talk to who's like not a New York person, like a New Yorker or like a person who likes lives on one her. of the coasts. Or somebody who is, like, not, like, industry adjacent. I feel like everyone likes her. Like, they still think Mm -hmm. she's, like, fabulous. So I wonder how she does in those types of – I forget what those polls are called, but – I mean, I would be really concerned if that actually comes up as a plot point on the show. That would tell me that there's actually nothing going on. If they're like, Erica, talk to us about how, like, all the, um, you know, Bravo accounts hate you. You know, like, I think that would be tough. Oh, yeah. No, I don't mean it being a plot point. I mean, like, do they take that into account when they're re-signing contracts? Like, the fans hate Erica now. Let's get rid of her. But it's like, it's the most vocal fans who sort of have platforms opposed to just, like, you know, moms and Joe Schmoes and average Joes everywhere who, like, don't have those platforms that might love her still, you know? 
So Adrian Maloof said an apologies. Your face just lit up. I um, love Merry her. Christmas. <laughs> Adrian Maloof of the Maloof Hoof, um, the Maloof Hoof, said on in some interview this week. I just saw a snippet of it on like social that she didn't think Erica was going to be back. And my understanding of what she was saying was like, maybe she thinks Erica is going to end up being friend of, mm. but I don't know. And also it's so crazy how much time I spend thinking of the housewives versus my lack of interest in really understanding some of the specifics related to their contract negotiations. Like I remain befuddled by production timing, typically when we're not in the land of, you know, Corona, like when, when shows film, when they come out, I never pay attention to any of it. And I also like the negosh related to friend of has always been confusing to me. And it's not like, I'm like, I need to learn about it. It's just one of those things that like, I'm always confused by it and whatever else. Do you know? It's like, it also they seems sign case up by to case. film, but they it, don't. Right. Right. It right, seems right. case by case per city, but also like maybe per person where I feel like sometimes they film with people who they're like, Oh, we don't have enough or you're, whether it's like, there's something happens along the way where they decide they're like, I know that, like a Sutton who's who wouldn't who wasn't able to show her kids or uh, Demetria on Housewives of Atlanta was like demoted like she was supposed to be a housewife. Ooh, Demetria dem- McKinney, a throwback. Demetria was supposed to be a main housewife and got yeah, that demoted. That and I think that Claudia was like uh, wasn't even a friend of, but got promoted, which is like why Claudia like came in later in that season, like in episode mm-hmm. three or something. She like is in the open, and people were like, "You don't have your own storyline," and she was like, "That's because I." got promoted like after we were done filming basically so they like try to like so it always feels confusing because then I think other people are offered a, a friend role so like some people I feel like it's a demotion or a promotion depending on how filming goes but then and like a testing but then I think other people it's like Ta- Tanya and Marlo they're like not up for being housewives they are strictly like in these roles that operate as ancillary characters to the core women so I don't really know it does seem really specific to every franchise and like Barbara Kay and Elise like Elise oh was God. obviously promoted as like a real life friend of Ramona's who was clearly showing up she wasn't I don't think that she was like cast and went through a process and they were like auditioning her I think she was sort of like around and they used her at, because they needed a tool to like be a mouthpiece for certain things and Ramona was into it until she wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I think Elise has said since that Ramona essentially like encouraged her and invited her to come back and film. And that's kind of what happened until it sort of blew up. But I feel like Elise and Barbara Kay never really delivered on potential promise. Certainly Barbara Kay to a lesser extent than Elise, which actually now that I'm saying that out loud makes zero sense. It's shocking. But with both of them, it just really did. It kind of like fizzled. Like I don't care enough about either of them to really have a side in their like quasi battle with their former friend now foe because I just don't care enough about there are no stakes to me in, the, in those relationships because totally. those are both women that I don't think are necessarily charismatic when it comes to being on um tv i certainly empathize with barbara k from what lou has said recently but i just truly at the end of the day don't give a shit i think it's so i think it's really fascinating when you think about which cities always have friends of or like build the universe to include like beverly hills doesn't really have friends of until sutton in recent years but Mm -hmm. They have this world that is, that has all of the former housewives that like show up in guest roles where it's like whether it's Camille or Adrian or Taylor or whomever. And 
Atlanta obviously has these women that are like built in the circle who are like not full housewives but do show up and then like New York doesn't really have I mean they have friends of but it's not the same I don't it's very it's really interesting when you think about it and like was Shamia under contract initially or was she a person like Elise who Portia was like this is my real life best friend from like when I was a child and then and Shamia was like fun and became friends with people and then they like were like okay here's something but like Shamia didn't have a plot she was just like in the mix how does that work with Shamia and with Lauren, with Portia's sister? I wonder how those agreements work when it and comes ma- to like... Mar- and um, what's her name? Meryl? What is it? Um, Mallory? Marlo? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Cynthia's, <laughs> Cyn- Cynthia's sister. Sorry, no, no disrespect to Marlo. <laughs> Cynthia's sister. <laughs> like we're Mel? having a Friday. <laughs> Mallory. Mel? Mallory. Mallory, is that right? Yeah, she calls her Mal. Um, oh, fun. Anyway, I'm just like, honking. I am super... Fa- I am actually... It's, it's a... I'm glad you brought that up because it is something I also like don't understand. And I don't know that there is logic to it. I think it really is. like Because remember one season Luann was a friend of and also Sonia wasn't a friend of. But allegedly they both were holding out for contract negotiations. And like right. Sonia and according to whom like whoever like some Page not six. real. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, Radar Online. They said that both of them were getting paid per episode. But like Sonia was put into the opening credits and made a full time housewife. Whereas Luann stayed as a friend. I forget if that was the season where Lou was friend of, but but it was oh it was but it was oh I they, think so yeah I, yeah I was thinking in my head that it was different seasons, but regardless, it was Lou, Sonia, and Ramona that teamed up to negotiate for better contracts. Ramona very quickly backed out and did her own thing, and then Lou and Sonia essentially lost in the negotiate and were only being paid per episode which is why Sonia got so upset at Dorinda when she wasn't invited to the Berkshires she's like you're costing me money that was a tough I mean it's so hard for these women yeah maybe you're right maybe that wasn't the season that Luann was a friend of I don't think it was I think think it was a more recent season yeah but I mean like the negotiation of it all is so difficult and then you look at Leah who did a hard negotiation and signed with I want to say like WME or something toward the start of her now second season filming and was like listen essentially I got paid whatever my first season and you guys need me and needed me this past season so pay me what I'm worth which it sounds like she is now and I just have to say good for her and I'm also like oi I wonder how this is going to go for her because there is that whole second season curse and I I just I'm curious I'm really honestly so excited to see her film while living a sober life because I think that is going to be so fascinating so interesting so necessary on New York and um I think it's going to be great I mean they're filming in the Hamptons now we'll see what happens you know I'm hopeful can you think of a housewife who had a great first season and was really beloved Erica. by fans and then whose oh. second season they were not received that well or that they showed up and like they weren't they were either doing the exact same thing or were like not good i feel like 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 erica and siggy erica oh siggy interesting i mean erica and Dur- i don't know that dorinda had a bad second season but they were both such great casting decisions and like so exciting on their first season Erica obviously was a dud her second season. Um, and Siggy, I, I think that's a great call, too. I, I loved her initially when she showed up with, like, her facelift babushka on. It was so funny. And she really kind of petered out, huh? Now she's the angel of darkness. So yeah, she um, imploded. And to I, her. That's actually one of my the most fascinating character studies. If you watch Siggy's 
claim that Margaret's anti-Semitic and then realize that the show is going to use that as a storyline and she's mm-hmm. trying to like fix it while mm-hmm. on camera and it's just like it's totally unraveling and you're just like watching this person who I think had a career that they were in the helm of forever and realizing that like they aren't going to be in the editing room and was like I uh, and it was sad because she was so cool her first season and now she is the angel of darkness I mean and she was also somebody I remember interviewing her for Andy's girls right before her second season and she was talking about this new person that she brought on who was bullying her and I was like America's sweetheart Sigalit is being bullied like oh my god this is terrible I can't believe it and I immediately was like oy vey I mean like literally and figuratively oy vey <laughs> my, I just went full Hebrew um, princess priestess and then you watch the season and it's like I don't see anything that you're talking about none of this happened but it's part of the reframing in your head of your narrative because as you said if like the editor's suite isn't going to the Jew the job that you want you're going to try to do it yourself and very very few people are successful at that because I mean I look even a little bit about what's going on in Potomac right now I was a guest on a podcast this week and we were talking a little bit about this where um it feels like Candace on camera is trying to tell a kind of story related to things that we're seeing as we're watching the season and watching these episodes and what Monique is doing in social media and essentially a little bit on camera is trying to tell her perspective of a story that happened related to production behind the scenes. And it's trying to understand both of those narratives and perspectives because the Candace stuff we're seeing, but we're not understanding the motive behind Monique's emotions because she for understandable reasons didn't want to talk about them during filming but we're only seeing her reaction can if that makes any little, sense can you give me a little more specifics because I don't follow any housewife on social media except for Candy Burris Tucker <laughs> and it's a good one to follow um do you follow Blaze no sorry mm, Blaze okay well I don't follow children fine. of housewife I mean I barely can follow the housewife because it makes me hate them I mean I think you should um so I Sorry, Bravo's tagging me in something, which is so amazing. But I also am super confused about what's going on. Okay, um, so um, anyway, so you were asking for context. So there's this fight that's happening, but we don't necessarily understand Monique's anger, which helped facilitate this altercation getting to the point that it did because we're not seeing specifics related to the real rumor that Candace was involved in strategizing, which wasn't what Giselle said about the trainer. It was actually about whatever affair with it or trainer that produced a child that wasn't Chris's. So that helps better understand now as we're watching this stuff I see. Yeah, why yeah, yeah. Monique felt as betrayed as she was. And now Monique is also saying on social media, the timing of the edit of all of this, of the altercation happening against the charges being filed is not accurate with what's happening in reality. So Monique is showing screenshots and emails and talking about the language that, that Candace's lawyer was using, which was, not threatening, but essentially saying like, we're going to sue you for millions kind of stuff. And is saying, this is helping explain the kind of person that I'm dealing with, if not my behavior. And Candace is saying, look to what you're seeing on TV. Mm -hmm. That's all that you need to know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really hard because obviously like 
this blanket statement of like violence is wrong and no one should put hands on each other. It's like, sure. But obviously the conversation is more nuanced than that. And I think Candace is not interested in that. And I think she has the support of most of the women. Um, and I think your last guest, you know, you guys explored that mm-hmm. and opened that up. And I thought that was a fascinating discussion. And I think it's true that, you know, it, it is about respectability and like, yeah, sure. Like no one should be hurting anybody, but like, why are we worried? About, we're worried about, we're, we're talking about the ways in which other people are going to perceive this fight. We're not talking about the actual fight or the root of the argument between our two quote unquote friends. Um, and I, and, you know, obviously leading up to the fight, I was, like, super Team Monique. I do think she is a different character this season than she has been historically on the show. I think there's an evolution of Monique happening, and maybe that is because of things that were happening behind the scenes. But she's, like, putting on a different front, and she suddenly, I feel, like, kookier than she was. And maybe that's always been a part of her. But Kookier? Like, yeah, like, with the bird, and, like, there's, like, an eccentric part of her that I feel like, but maybe it was all, and I don't know if that's, like, a calculated move, or it's just, like, a different vert side of her that we're seeing on top of this layer of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff that wasn't shown with, like, the rumor or whatnot, but, and I, but I think that my issue with her is, like, that she's, her Watch What Happens Live interview is so rough, and she's just, like, not remorseful at all, and I... Maybe she doesn't feel remorse. Maybe she's like, she was spreading a rumor about my literal, my children. And like, I am not sorry that I like grabbed her hair. Sure. But I just feel like it's like, and maybe this is my perception of like respectability, but you know, it feels like she should be on Watch What Happens Live being like, I shouldn't have hit her, but X, Y, Z. But instead she's sort of like, well, you didn't see like what she did to provoke it. And it's like, oh, but again, I don't know if that's like, I also think that my stuff is wrapped up in like what she should do to look better opposed to what are her, what is she really feeling? And honestly, they're both perfect housewives and I need them not to get fired for physical violence because like we need them. I don't think they're going to get fired from for physical violence. I think that someone is going to be removed because at a certain point it becomes so toxic that there's nothing else these women feel comfortable discussing but this like fire currently you know with a flame that goes stronger every week yeah it's like you Teresa, know? caroline and um danielle like you can't have all three of them on for 10 or jack seasons. even yeah, when jack you, you, came back to it like comes a point where you know and no disrespect to the women of potomac by comparing either of them to jacqueline Lorita, but you know there comes a point where it's like you see this person and you're like god bless but like this is not there's nowhere to go from here you know that's that's a great point and really interesting and i but i think that what is unfair about that comparison is -hmm. that we don't see that same energy sort of focused on other franchises like new york and to some extent atlanta and beverly hills where it's like and i don't feel like like new york and atlanta have maintained conflict and humor Mm -hmm. pretty consistently um obviously there's been some dips um do you know what I mean but like Beverly Hills like Kyle and I guess Kyle and Kim is an example of that they got rid of Kim or she left or whatever decision that they made for her mental health and for the show and for Kyle's health they like she's not on there anymore so maybe that's a good example of that like people needed we were sputtering out from seeing the same storyline because it's real but also like we don't want to keep watching the same story every year I mean, I would say, example, Nini Kenya, this most recent round where it's like one of them is refusing to film or at least participate in a conversation about their mutual dislike of each other. And it's not necessarily the one that you think would be bowing out. And even, you know, this is a terrible example, but Phaedra... um, uh, Candy. Candy, because when we got to that historic 
part reunion part four reveal there was nowhere to go from there not only was it beyond inappropriate and god-awful what phaedra had done but it was also like this is overwhelmingly past the point of toxicity like this person cannot participate in this anymore because the vibe is so off that there's no way that they could come to any there's no way that any kind of resolution could happen because in many ways I mean at least like spiritually it became a little legal in the sense of like what you're doing is actually insane and there should be consequences for that that rise above you know, a potential villain edit on the show. And I look, I, I know it's not a great comparison. Well, I just think, but that, I just, yeah. I'm sorry. No, 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 you go, you go, you go, you go. Well, I was just going to say that that feels different to me though, because we've seen every, every season culminates with the two women at the sort of the, the two women, unless you're Dallas and you're trying to be Bravo and rebrand um, <laughs> that the two women at the end of the sofa are, are part of the most drama and it's sort of their arc followed by everyone else's secondary arc intertwined. And I think that Phaedra and Candy, we could have seen another season where we saw whether they would befriend each other or like, you know, find a way back to each other to get past this horrific, terrible rumor and like, you know, libel essentially. And also a lawyer who was on national television doing this, which could have really been fascinating to see if there was if their friendship was real which i think it was if they could ever get past that or if it would just sputter out and i think that candy had enough power to say like if i'm coming back she can't come back mm-hmm. and this is libel or whatever right but i but i think that every season we face that but i think that you know when do we make the distinction that like we're that a story has gone on long enough i mean vicky and tamara we watched them and shannon argue for like five seasons and like basically get back and not and get back and not and get back and not and then they were back and they, was what, that was the final nail in the coffin. But I think for each one, even if they don't line up perfectly and they are sort of complicated comparisons to make, there does become a certain point where the housewife no longer makes sense just in and of being herself. Where There is some sort of line that has been crossed. With Phaedra, I would say it's part four of the reunion and understanding what she had been doing that entire season. With um, OC, I would say Vicky trying to sue production and the network while filming was still going on or, or, or not filming was still going on, but about an episode that was about to air. Obviously, she knew that her future was in doubt with, you know, coming back full time. But, you know, when you try to sue the network, that's obviously an indicator that like maybe this isn't a good fit, you know. And with Potomac, I would just say that there is so much vitriol between Monique and Candace that is confusing for the viewer we're seeing Candace's anger and frustration and pain on these episodes and we're now seeing Monique come to terms and grapple with being accountable for her behavior and hopefully you know understanding what she has said on social through the help of her you know pastor and therapist which is great um you know because you need you can't have really one without the other did she go to therapy Um, on the show not yet, but she said in social media posts, like ther- uh, uh, like pastor, comma, and a therapist, which is which I'm oh, happy about because I didn't know I about that. I didn't know that was happening, and I was like, oh, she needs to stop seeing. A- well, she can't have she can't just go to her pastor and first lady, regardless of how vulnerable she was. Like, I really just totally. think that she needs. And so it's so great to hear that she, you know, has um, been seeing a therapist or went to a therapist, whatever. But it's also difficult because we're now seeing the breakthrough that everybody wanted the second this happened of like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have 
put hands on someone and that is different from whatever she was whatever Candace was doing physically to get in someone's space and whatever else but the problem is that since that time as we know from this week's episode Candace sought you know justice (laughs) through the law for as she said like the greatest amount of time possible potentially in prison which is wild and was maybe setting that up in order to file a civil lawsuit or try to sue Monique, whatever. So obviously for Monique, that I'm sure changes her perspective of being accountable, which again is still that thing that we want to see, even if we're now seeing a part of Candace that we've seen previously. Like we, this doesn't make Monique's behavior okay, but it does in many ways put a pause on Monique's own process of taking responsibility for understandable reasons because she doesn't want it used against her in court. She doesn't want it used against her. But I think also in many ways it's her saying like, I told you all that this woman was gross and now you're seeing it play out. So why am I going to go and watch what happens live and be like, I fucked up Mm. Mm -hmm. because I don't feel like I did anymore. You know, it's tough. It's tough watching this kind of level of toxic behavior or, not toxic behavior, but just really like strong, seething anger that these women have about each other and their interest in revealing the other person's true character and seeing that play out still on social media as these episodes air a full year after this happened. I mean, it's not it it makes you feel the weight of all of this which feels really heavy and it doesn't feel like it's at a point where these women can come back to each other. Too much has happened. A calendar year has taken place and I don't think Candace has learned a fucking thing from what happened. And with Monique there, I I would be shocked if she showed up at the reunion and said something that would lead to a breakthrough. Although I actually do think there is a possibility she will say I shouldn't have yada yada. You know, it's tough. It feels like a dark place to be in for what is still remains, I think, one of the best seasons of any franchise. I think this has been a really historic season for It's so wild that Ashley caught Michael in a hotel room, and that's, like, not a main thing. Yeah, that's, like, what's so fascinating. I think the last – I think, yeah, this – Potomac is at such a great height. Um, Yeah, it's so wild that that happened. And Karen – continues to just like be such a fascinating character study i mean the stuff between karen and her husband what is his name right now ray Ray, um is really fascinating i mean they're kind of breaking the fourth wall to acknowledge like that she's maybe like feeling herself in this moment Mm -hmm. in her life where she's having fame and i and i get rightfully so i guess she should be enjoying that but it is there are real life consequences to like when you live a life X amount of way and mm-hmm. you suddenly then are now not that person in your relationship. I don't know. I feel like the season is really delivering. I love Giselle, but I am having some issues with her this season. And namely that I don't believe the relationship with her husband. And I think that like, he's the Ex-husband. father of her children and that's real. So like, whether they made a deal to do this, it seems like it's fucking with their kids. So I want to give her more the benefit of the doubt of thinking like they wouldn't be doing that to their children if it wasn't sort of some some reality to it. Mm-hmm. But I have a question mark around her relationship with her ex-husband, who her father 
on a hot mic said that a, like was really rough like about mm-hmm. how he's not supporting it but my other issue is with her and the way she's really like digging her heels into being anti-monique i know that she and monique like she doesn't like monique for whatever reason whatever we all, a lot of us don't like some of our coworkers, but the way that she like showed up with the bodyguard like it's funny it's funny tv but then when you're trying to act like this woman is ruining the way you look and the way the show looks and ruining black women and the way image of black women in pop culture. But then it's a fucking joke because you brought a bodyguard. So it's like, it's funny. Ha ha. But then don't sit there and like condescend this woman who had an emotional moment and I don't know, got violent. Like, I don't know. I find, I find, I take issue with that. I take issue with her making a joke about it, but then being like, it's not funny to me, Monique. Like, you took it away from us. And it's like, okay. Um, I think it's disingenuous. Yes. And I haven't watched Bravo chat room, even though I fully support it in every way. I love it. I think it was perfect casting. And I can't wait to watch all 107 episodes that have aired that I haven't yet seen. But I did see a – I've seen clips. And I saw a clip of – Giselle and Portia talking about the altercation, which is very interesting when you think about Portia's experience totally being provoked on camera and having someone physically in your space and using fucking sound like I can't I I honestly like the when I think about what happened I just am filled with rage because it was so unbelievably unexcusable and and unacceptable that that Kenya was even allowed to do the stuff that she was able to do which was bringing fucking props like she's that um What's his name? The red haired gentleman. Carrot top. Yes. Like this is not what we need right now. But they got into a little bit of a moment because Portia was saying Portia was essentially defending Monique and Giselle was saying, listen, this is somebody who hasn't even apologized a year after, which I thought was a perspective that was seeped in bullshit Because you're expecting someone who's had charges filed against them, regardless of the actual altercation itself, who's had charges filed against them with the intention of also a civil lawsuit. And you're thinking she's going to pick up the phone now and call and you're using the timing of this happened a year ago. She still hasn't apologized. I mean, sweetie, that train has totally left the station. And if Monique had apologized in real time if she had had her aha moment at some point between the altercation and three and a half weeks later or whenever it was that that Candace um filed in Montgomery County or whatever I think it is possible that the charges wouldn't have been filed to begin with I think that what Candace was hurting from was not hearing from her former friend just like a and I'm sorry that I fucking touched you for however long and it didn't happen. But because just because it didn't happen doesn't mean it shouldn't happen now. Doesn't mean that it is unacceptable that it hasn't happened yet. And also it's not Giselle's apology to want mm-hmm. to demand mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. accept. And who's to say that if Monique apologized to Candace, mm-hmm. Candace would have accepted it. So mm-hmm. it, I actually taped, I, I like can't watch any more reality television. There's a lot. It's a lot. So, There's but lot I taped happening. this, the one episode of that show, the chat room show to see if they would talk about it. Cause I was like, what mm-hmm. is Portia's perspective on this? Because she was a person who was physical mm-hmm. more than once and was like penalized for it sort of. But then mm-hmm. 
it happened again and it wasn't mm-hmm. aired and then it happened again. Right? It happened three <laughs> times? Oh, yeah. She yeah, could. but I forgot the order. There was like the assistant at the Christmas thing. It, no, it was, she, it was she and it was she and Kenya. She was demoted. Mm-hmm. Then she and I, her assistant that it didn't air, I don't think until mm-hmm. a reunion. It and, was like a secrets revealed thing or something, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then it happened again where Cynthia oh, yeah, like kicked her in the stomach or something. Oh, yeah. On that boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you um, watched it? Did you watch the episode? So I couldn't. I when I taped it, the episode I watched, I think it was like the episode after they talked mm, about it. So mm-hmm. like there was still residual things, and sort of Giselle was like, like I already know we talked about this Portia, and we did disagree. And I was like, fuck, I wanted to see what Portia really had to say in defense of Monique, um, because it is like, I mean, I know it's not the same scenario, but I just, and I also just think that when I, all, all of reading all of these things, when you think about. Aviva throwing her leg, Teresa flipping mm-hmm. a table, Teresa pushing Andy, mm-hmm. um, Leah throwing to- like tiki torches in the backyard naked. Mm-hmm. The ways in which we like the black women on these shows and the, their like like physical altercations are sort of highlighted as this like negative portrayal of a whole group of people. And then it's like no one. I don't think anyone blinked or thought that Aviva's thing was like an act of, I mean, they never thought it was desperate and sad and or funny or both, but like mm-hmm. there was never, or like Teresa flipping the tables, like iconic TV, but it's never thought of as like be, it's like maybe aggressive, but never thought of as being violent, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just like so frustrating. Andy loves to reference when Teresa pushed him. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, it's so annoying that like, I've now I'm like, Oh, I don't want to hear Giselle talk about this forever. And also act like it's her storyline when her storyline is that her husband bought her kids a restaurant. Her ex-husband bought her kids a restaurant. Like, I'm just yeah. so, I don't know. God bless Robin Dixon and her baseball caps. <laughs> I love, also, I like love, I've, tell me this, Sarah. Here's a poll tell question me. for Andy's Girls listeners, but also mm-hmm. a question for you. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been a housewife who's yes. so charmingly made, like, their money troubles or lack of money endearing to the audience as Robin Dixon, I think, has? It's so self-aware in a way that's like, she's like, I fucked up my taxes. I missed $90,000. Um, I mean, I think that they're certainly not as wonderfully as what, as what Robin has done, which just shows how endearing she is as a human person. There have been other fuck ups of someone. I, I would say like Gina on past seasons has just been like a hot mess. And that's kind of been her arc is that she's kind of sloppy but I don't I don't know how much of that was financial versus anything else I can't think of anybody on New York that's done that I think Margaret a little Mm. bit with like the um the lawsuit and the fact that they could never redo the living room even though her husband's a contractor and like trying to sell their backyard or whatever has has gotten close to it because I think of, that like that, Vineyard Vine socks or something like the, I the narrative is so close. often you know people being embarrassed of their mm-hmm. money troubles or not talking mm-hmm. about them so it's like whether it's Doree or Sonia mm-hmm. or whomever it's like not or Teresa like not addressing the money stuff mm-hmm. or that like they, it's yeah either it's like they don't want to talk about it and they're making them and they feel uncomfortable and embarrassed of it or they literally just don't talk about it like we just don't mm-hmm. hear about certain lawsuits or money troubles that certain housewives are ha- having. So yeah, bless Robin. 
I also think Robin's one of those people where like we're starting to see her really bloom and I would love to see more moments of Robin as herself and not Robin as Giselle's plus one because I think that can only help Robin in her journey as a housewife and also prove her value and worth where it's like she has a stake in being here and in being full time and she we need to make sure that we're being accountable for saying like she is enough as herself like we don't need to look at her as Giselle's like the Robin to Giselle's Batman you know like I think that she has in some ways put herself in that spot and maybe that comes from a place of like loving your friends so much and knowing that they're such an alpha that you're like comfortable and confident and enough in yourself to not be subservient but to be a little bit more measured and I am appreciative of the fact that we're seeing more of Robin and I also felt like in that weird bodyguards intervention scene thing, Robin was understandably angry at what Monique was saying. But even after, you know, it was actually said, I felt like she was still listening in a way that Giselle mm -hmm. never could. Giselle is not emotionally as emotionally mature as Robin. And moments like that where Giselle's like, I'm going to have a moment. I'm going to bring somebody, exactly as you're saying, like to make light of what she is also saying is a very serious, um, devastating turn for their franchise or whatever the fuck. But with Robin, I just feel like she's much more of a human and much more humane, even of people that she's taking serious issue with. And I appreciate that about her. I appreciate her maturity. And I do think Robin knows that she needs this show, like for financial reasons, oh, 100%. Which, which like not to take anything away from her and Juan's like love story, but I think that they <laughs> knew that it benefited them to get engaged and to have this wedding on the, like on the horizon so that they can come back another season, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would Absolutely. be, I want to see them get married. So like, I want them to come back another season and get married next season. So I feel like there is, yeah, I think that we know, yeah, that's what we want. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we're at this spot where for so many of us, you know, we're deciding we've, many of us have decided not to watch Orange County. And, you know, that's something that was just addressed in, um, uh, an article um, available, uh, an article by uh, a reporter for Vice that was just released that I was um, uh, happy and, and thankful to be featured in. And guys, I'll link to that in the show notes for this week's episode. But there is an idea amongst Bravo accounts, Bravo Holics, whatever, to not talk about this season of Orange County. And some people have phrased it as a boycott. And I have said repeatedly on this show that I regardless of, you know, whatever headline was used for the article, but that I am not participating in a boycott, wouldn't advocate for one. I'm just for my own self deciding not to watch Orange County because it would be too upsetting to me. I, and I don't want to amplify um, what the network has decided to do with that. And so I think that there was concern, certainly for Bravo podcasters, as so many of us have decided not to discuss Orange County and Bitch Sesh, bitch sesh isn't, Danny Pellegrino isn't, I'm not. You know, there's that moment where you're like, okay, well, this is the conversation that we have about Housewives franchises, how we see our own behaviors, how we learn about ourselves, certainly Andy's girls, while talking about these women are we going to have enough to talk about if there's a period of time before Salt Lake City where there is one show that we're watching on TV each, each weekend, 
you know, I recorded last week, I think after the Orange County premiere had begun, I forget how many episodes Orange County is, and I think maybe two. And what I'm finding is, and even talking to people offline about Potomac, Potomac can carry a full episode of any Bravo podcast plus some. I think I feel just feel a lot of gratitude and I feel so thankful for Potomac because there are so many things to discuss. The fact that Michael and Ashley is like the fifth storyline when P.S. that is another example of watching something play out during the season where we're supposed to feel a certain way and knowing based on evidence that we're receiving in real time, it genuinely changes the dynamic of, you know, already existing suspicions about what Michael is saying. There's a lot Wait, did he do unpack. something again or you just mean that she's pregnant? Wait, did you see that video that came out this week? Oh, the him grabbing an ass. Yeah. yeah. We're like, we're What's seeing. Like, which is like, bless that viewer since the production company didn't find it. And none um, of us did. It was somebody, I think, on Reddit. I'm sorry that I can't credit them because I forget their account name. But, like, holy shit. And it was right in front of us the entire time. And that's not the alter – I mean, to use the phrase altercation, that's not the altercation from last season. That was a previous one from an earlier season, if I'm remembering this correctly. I mean, and that's going to be, I would think, a huge part of the reunion. But there are also seven other huge parts. I mean, this is a wild season of yeah, a crazy, okay. amazing franchise. Okay, so let's talk about Michael for a second. And mm-hmm. I, my question is, if Ashley, like, I thought maybe she wouldn't come back this past season because mm-hmm. after the reunion, because I thought, mm-hmm. like, because remember, he was, like, whispering under his breath and, and the mic caught it where he was, like, how, that went well or whatever and she was like we're mic'd we're mic'd we're mic'd do you remember that it was like and then they, they were both very angry they, and then they Giselle and Robin were like he's a fucking prick or whatever yeah, they yeah, said yeah. yeah and it seemed like they were like I was like oh this could be like her swan song you know like her mm-hmm. Leanne Lark what is her name Leanne Leanne Larkin, Larkin. is that her Larkin <laughs> Leanne Larkin I think is <laughs> is that a Broadway actor who is that who am I thinking of anyway oh yeah I don't the Larkin know sisters. guys anyway. we're having a moment we're having a moment anyway so I was like, this could be Ashley's swan song where it's like we see her and her husband sort of like going down into a black hole and the other mm-hmm. women are like, he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. And then it was like they were announced that they were filming and she was there. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like, isn't he a liability? He's like, if he does that again, mm-hmm. if there's still speculation that he, you know, people accused him, doesn't mm-hmm. mean just because he was acquitted or whatever, doesn't mean that it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, she came back. And now when we see that stuff, I'm like. She's married to him still, and she's pregnant with their second child. Mm-hmm. I don't want Ashley to leave. I like want her to divorce him so that she can stay on the show because I feel like if he she stays married to him at a certain point, like if they bring this up again, I don't know. Just like how long do you keep him around as a liability? I think Ashley's perspective and what you know. I watched the episode again this morning, and that therapy scene is so tough because it felt like to me as a viewer what he was saying was putting the responsibility of keeping him on track in her hands and he was saying like you need to do these things so that I won't essentially act out and self-sabotage and hurt you and it felt really tough to see and I feel like I'm so thankful that she has Uncle Lump in her corner because he seems to be someone who's maybe more measured than her mom who can say like this you deserve more than this like this is unacceptable the way that he's treating you and I'm a grown-ass man telling you this you know like 
you're it's not your fault that he is behaving in the way that he is but it's also not okay that he is and it's so tough for me to watch because this video did come out this week which obviously is in contrast direct contrast and contradiction with what they've said of this stuff has never happened and he never had the intention of doing that blah 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 and it's a moment where we're just watching him disrespect his wife plus also serious issues with consent and whatever else and it's difficult because in these scenes Ashley's like oh he had really tough you know Michael's talking about his childhood and his father and whatever else and Ashley brings up the fact that they had an unconventional marriage which to me has literally nothing to do with cheating because you're both consenting so what does that what does one have to do with the other but it's just really difficult to watch her go on this path with someone who's so obviously not deserving of her knowing that she is in a couple months going to give birth to their, you know, his second child with her. Like that's, it's tough to see. I'm surprised that they came back. I thought that they were just so fed up or so angry at production, even if it wasn't necessarily something, a, a perspective I agreed with, certainly, that I was surprised that they both came back and, you know, production picked up so quickly after the filming of that reunion. But now I'm watching this stuff play out and it's like, okay, so Ashley said on camera, if he does this again, I'm leaving him. What is the this? Like, what's the this? Disrespect you? Cheat on you? Not fuck someone, but wake up in your tidy whities the next day and have them take video or photos, but believe them that they only just slept in bed together? Like, what's the this here? Because he's never going to stop disrespecting her because he, he, he doesn't know how. He never has before. I think Ashley and Michael have some sort of agreement. Which obviously she's talked about they have an unconventional or alternative. I don't know how she described it. But yeah, I don't remember. I think that part of that agreement was probably, and maybe part of why she has always seemed sort of not super, like she's always been sort of nonplussed by the news of whatever his indiscretions are. Mm-hmm. I think it's because she knows what happens. But I think part of that agreement was probably like, don't make me look stupid. Like, don't mm-hmm. make me look stupid on this show that I signed up for that you wanted me to do as well. Mm-hmm for your businesses, et cetera. And I think he's failing at that. But I feel like that is part of why she continues to be, I mean, I don't know, because kids are not an agreement. Like, I mean, they can be part of an agreement, but like it's a kid. So whether or not she hates him, whether she's married to him for the money, whether they made a deal to whatever for her to, for the beard for each other, like whatever deal or agreement they maybe have, I mean, they still are making children together. So I don't know. Maybe everything I'm saying is bullshit, but I would just, he's just continuing to make her look stupid. And that's like so disrespectful to like have your wife on national television. And like, she might be totally fine with you sleeping with other men, women, both. She might not care, but clearly she doesn't want you talking about it on television. You know, I mean, based on, based on the way these have played out. I think she really does care. And what she said on social is like, he's forgiven me for stuff, but we don't know what that means. So it, she's intimating that she has maybe stepped out previously and and that he's forgiven her but without knowing the actual specifics of those details I'm just left kind of more confused than ever but it really does appear that she's not I I don't know I mean you could be right it could be that whatever agreement they have it's like don't do this during filming or whatever else but I think that she would be more forthcoming about that if that was the case I think it's so not the case that she's bringing up the fact that they like invited someone else into their bedroom in order to explain this stuff. I, I, I just, I don't think 
it feels to me like it's more connected to like, you know, he's talking about his dad and it's like, go fuck yourself. I don't give a shit about what led up to this point when you're framing it around your wife needs to be responsible for understanding and empathizing and making sure that you feel safe and comfortable so that you don't do these things. Like I'm more interested in understanding how Ashley's relationship with her dad has factored into this. Like, is this related to someone treating you terribly and you thinking you not having an example of what it means to say that this behavior is unacceptable. Like as a child, her father abandoned her and has refused to claim her. I mean, that does enormous damage. I'm sure it is no surprise that she has chosen a relationship with a man significantly older who also seems to really struggle with respecting Ashley and valuing her in the ways that she deserves to be treated. What do you think about, and like, I don't want this to, I'm genuinely asking the question, so I don't want it to be like, I'm not like I'm saying that this is my opinion, but I'm questioning the connection and like the ways in which Michael and his indiscretions and who he's sleeping with are part of the plot on um, Potomac and the ways in, in which we're fine with that generally, but the ways in which like who Denise slept with was considered so off limits because Brandy wasn't on the show. Like, how are these things, how is it different? Because if, if, if Denise, if Brandy was Denise's wife or partner, then it would be fair game. But because it was like a dalliance that we don't, you know what I mean? Like how there was so much conversation about how this was off about how Denise's, whoever Denise is sleeping with, was sort of not fodder for storyline and how it was off limits. But obviously like that's so much of Ashley's storyline for the last two seasons have been Michael's indiscretions behind her back. And obviously like this instance. Yeah. So what I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of thinking about it out loud. Um, I mean, that's a tough question. I would say it starts with Michael's behavior with production members of the crew that was discussed by cast members on camera where he was allegedly touching people without their consent, which they responded by letting him know they didn't appreciate that. And that repeated action added on with rumors on blogs that didn't he didn't obviously want to talk about until they sort of happened versus someone who we know has a vested interest in returning to the show being treated as a full-time cast member only in the sense of bringing up an allegation of an affair uh who is not serving any other purpose but to discuss that I mean it's Michael's stuff it's being discussed because he's doing these things and people are catching photos and videos of it. You know, it's not Brandy. It seemingly was brought on in full glam in order to discuss something that she said happened. And Denise's response to that is this person isn't involved in the show. They're only being brought on to discuss these rumors for Mm -hmm. the sake of plot on the show versus Michael's stuff where he's doing repeated acts in real time that other people are talking about that the women are obviously hearing about that unfortunately becomes what it is because his behavior has been caught so many times. Totally. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And because he's involved the crew, which to me is like, 
such a problem and something that I discussed with Rachel Wilkerson Miller last week. And I really appreciated her perspective because how do you keep it's tough. We're like living in the time of COVID where like if these women do something that's dangerous, it could actually put the lives of the crew in danger. These people who didn't necessarily sign up for that. They signed up to work on a reality TV show, you know, like you shouldn't possibly die from that you know because Ramona wants to go to the Hamptons you know Mm -hmm. but with this other stuff with Michael how do you convince a crew member that they're not going to be fondled or groped because of this person's behavior that's led to at least one member of the crew leaving their job because he like I don't know if the groping is the right term but because he groped them you know like how do you make sure that that work environment is safe when Michael very clearly doesn't care about respecting his wife's job or members of the crew or anything else enough to stop doing this repeated act of behavior yeah it's I don't know I don't know it's it's the Michael stuff is so weird and so warped but getting back to your initial you know um thought question thoughts does that did that like does that answer anything is that something you disagree with like let's talk about it well I think that it is complicated because I Mm -hmm. think that husbands have been fodder for Mm -hmm. nasty things before that were not rooted in assault like Michael like even Mm -hmm. his first season prior to any of this there were accusations that he was gay that were like on mm-hmm. blogs and all mm-hmm. of the women brought them up. Uh, Kenya accused Kim Chris. Field's husband of being mm-hmm. gay, which was like totally unprovoked and weird and homophobic. Um, homophobic. I'm sure there's other instances that I can think of. So mm-hmm. I think there are other instances of people who are not cast members of the show. Obviously they're married to people in the cast um, being brought in as sort of innocent bystanders. Mm-hmm. Standers? Standers? Bystanders. Yeah. Bystanders. Um, But I hear you and I agree that it's different because Michael was doing something that a person on production accused him of and then it was in the press. So it's like we can't ignore this piece. And Mm -hmm. obviously, whether however the women felt, they were given a platform to respond to it then. And obviously more stuff came up then about Mm -hmm. Katie's um, former partner and then Mm -hmm. Ray talked about Andy getting his butt grabbed. So like clearly it is a pattern of behavior Mm -hmm. um, of Michael. So yes, I think it is different. Um, But I really was just curious because I just remember there were so many conversations about like what was off limits um, for Denise. And uh, I think it's just an interesting, like not a parallel, but it's an interesting thing to sort of hold side by side. And I hear you and not to totally pivot or like take a left turn, but did you hear there was like a little blip of a, the Bravo podcast that I don't normally listen to, but there was like a blip of a producer from Bravo saying that the women didn't know that Brandy was showing up that night at Kyle's house and that there has been accusations, I guess, that like that stuff was filmed out of order, but that that mm-hmm. actually happened the night before they went to Rome. And I was like, oh, interesting that like a Bravo executive or whatever is like putting that on the record. Yeah, I think that is really interesting and and good for Kim Richards for calling her sister that day to let her know that her um, 
test results for possibly having like breast cancer or whatever came back okay and not mentioning that her friend Brandy was going to be in the car with her in full glam. I think that is that takes a level of focus and I, skill that I am so impressed to see Kim Richards have if that executive is telling the truth. My I, goodness. I yeah, it's a great point and I think Kim probably did tell Kyle <laughs> she was coming. <laughs> Wow. Well, if the if the executive said it, it must be true. (laughs) I mean, like, I would just think to myself, like, sorry, daughter of a lawyer. But like, what was the exact language that they used? And do we have any video of them winking? (laughs) What do you think? Okay, I don't want to just talk about Beverly Hills because it's like not even my favorite one. So no, let's do it. This is I love it when you're on because I just don't even have to think and we just talk. And it's but Kathy. You know, there's these like there's these rumors that she's actually joining in some capacity. Um, do we think that's going to be a good thing for this show? Do we think? I that- think that she said that she's not. She's since because she like little she dangled the carrot or whatever once the rumors came out, and I think she has literally since said that it's not going. to... It was like a friend of thing, and I think she has since said it's not going to happen. Oh, that's. A but I would have loved it. I would have loved it. Talk about putting Kyle on edge. I would have fucking loved it. Kathy is a strong ass personality. I feel like they need to bring like Richards all of those sisters on is um is a way to give that show new life honestly to bring it back to like what it was which was but like Kathy as adds a different element obviously I think you can do that without bringing Kim back I think you could bring all the sisters back meaning two-thirds and not bring Kim back <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's I, fine I mean I think it could be like I think it I think to me the idea of Kathy coming would bring so much immediate value and weight and tension and stakes because obviously these are sisters who have decided for the greater good to keep things on the up and up and nothing is better at fucking with that scenario than, you know, adding in the prestige and fame and fun that comes with celebrity and being considered a housewife, even friend of, and Kathy is like such an alpha personality and and so polarizing sometimes in her personalities, even in the little cameos that we've seen of her on housewives that it would Kyle would be spinning it would be fascinating TV. I would I would love it because obviously with Kathy you get at least one appearance mm-hmm. of Kim with Kathy mm-hmm. you get at least one appearance with Paris and maybe Nikki but for sure Paris like doing a scene with Kathy mm-hmm. so like I feel like with it you do get that like you you get the connection to Kim and Kyle by seeing Kim, I would love to see Kim and Kathy talk about Kyle at like a dinner together. Like nothing would <laughs> like without Kyle there, like nothing would bring me more joy. So I think it'd be fascinating. I'm sad to hear on this show, the news that she said it's not happening. I think she I, did. I could be completely wrong guys. And I know that you'll fact check me in my DMS like literally right now as you're listening to this episode. I think what I would love for Beverly Hills is also like, they are one of the few franchises that hasn't returned. I mean, I could be wrong as I'm saying this out loud that hasn't returned to its roots and brought back like an OG cast member and maybe one day that will happen with Vanderpump but they've never they haven't ever brought Maloof or Camille or Taylor back as in a full-time capacity Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that we need to but Mm -hmm. I think that when you bring somebody back like that like if you bring Maloof back she instantly has history with Kyle and also she's an OG which instantly like you she knows how to play this game and also She's not going to defer to Rinna, I wouldn't think. I don't know if Maloof is the right personality type. I think Camille was the right personality type, but she has sort of imploded. Um, I don't know, but I feel like like Beverly Hills, I I saw that rumor on Dumas, Demuma, I don't know how to say it, but they talk, them talking about how 
some per- somebody like was like, oh, Beverly Hills is like not casting any more actors for a while. Obviously, probably for fe- feeling the burn from Denise. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like they need something to revive that and also to like take Rinna and Kyle off their high horse of sort of like calling the shots. Yeah, I think that Adrian was great at playing a game, maybe not this one. Like, she knows a show. She doesn't know the current Housewife show. I think that she would see Rinna for five seconds in a scene and then just completely walk out. Like, if Brandy was too much for her because of talking about surrogacy, she's not going to stand ten minutes of what the franchise has become now, just like what Housewives has become. Although she obviously was there at the beginning and deserves, um, you know, some applause for that. Um, It would be interesting to bring an OG back. I mean, I think the Camille time has come and gone. I think, I don't know that it's one of those things where it's too toxic. I just don't know that it makes sense anymore. I just think they need to bring on, I would like to see on more of these existing franchises, they bring on more women who we don't know and haven't met before who genuinely have money or really well disguised debt who aren't (laughs) names and don't come from the world of entertainment and are just getting back to some sense of glitz and glam or funny or whatever and we get away from this like Rinna concept or if we bring back an OG that's not the only choice of someone like bring it only bring an OG sure but bring it when you're also bringing in someone who is completely new to this world I think that's why one of many reasons why I'm so excited for Salt Lake City because like none of these women were on a soap opera before none of these women like co-hosted entertainment tonight or like Kelly and whomever like these are brand no, new who's women Kelly Rippa Pippa Rippa Kelly Rippa Oh, wait. Oh, I thought you were saying that it was a housewife who was a host of Entertainment no, Tonight. No, like where they've like guested on some it, sort of it, entertainment it. show. I want to just see p- completely new stories because I also feel like we're in a really weird space within the housewives world where a lot of people are trying to figure out their place as viewers and like what it means to be a Bravo-holic right now. And I think the best foot forward is introducing completely new women and new stories, including in existing franchises and seeing what happens. And you I know? think that they did do that with Sutton and I, and Leah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. I don't know enough about Ebony, right? That's her name, the new New yep. York housewife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, she seems like she is somewhat of a, a personality. But obviously, Leah mm-hmm. and um, Sutton were not. They were just sort of, I mean, Leah's not rich. But Sutton is just like a rich person. And Leah is just mm-hmm. a really dynamic personality. So I think that there is hope that, and I think they probably watching Beverly Hills in some ways implode because mm-hmm. of Denise's reaction to her reputation or whatever her image mm-hmm. they've probably learned their lesson to give that a break yeah and I think like I would put Emmett Ebony in the same sort of professional realm of things that I would Dr. Wendy and both of these women are new to me and the fact that they work in or work as like correspondence or something having to do with journalism. I mean, uh, Dr. Wendy isn't a journalist, but she does appear frequently talking about politics and real issues and social issues on TV. I think that's great. I'm talking more about like the Rinna's and apologies to the queen, but like the Eileen's like, and I, I guess I'm pulling a lot from Beverly Hills right now because I don't know. That's just kind of where I am. But, um, 
you know, getting away from that idea, which sometimes, you know, Beverly Hills sometimes acts as an influence on other franchises, regardless of how much we're aware of it until later on. And explain me, explain to me. I feel like the idea sometimes Beverly Hills becomes so performative that sometimes that feels like if these other women aren't being influenced by the attention that the housewives get, sometimes when people think of the idea of real housewives, they go to Beverly Hills because the idea in and of itself of Beverly Hills, even though none of these women live there, is like the glitz, the glam, the access and location in California and Hollywood and whatever else. And sometimes that becomes in many ways the idea of the world of Housewives. And it would be great to see Beverly Hills lead the way in shifting that, you know, getting back to not the Hollywood and like extra and access Hollywood of it. When we talk about Hollywood, getting away from access Hollywood and closer to like real women with real wealth. And this new person on Beverly Hills, who's allegedly coming in, whose husband works at Disney or He's like Pixar the direct, he like or something. Lion King. So he has bajillions. They must be super rich, I think. And that's interesting to me because sure, he does something in the film, whatever, but he's not an actor, which is the main problem that I have with a lot of these people. And he still has access. So there could be like them going to a premiere if those things ever happen again. Like there could be some sort of of event yada, but he's not a familiar face, not, nor is she. And I so mean, that is interesting to me. It's also like how Kyle and Kim are like, act, quote unquote, actors. And they're mm-hmm. like Hollywood adjacent because they grew up in Hollywood. Their sister is Kathy Hilton. They mm-hmm. were child actors, but and they still worked from time to time. But like mm-hmm. they are not A-list actors. And I mean, mm-hmm. and I think Rinna and Eileen were different because Rinna was sort of a soap version of Tori Spelling, which is like mm-hmm. she had done re- any show that she could do before and mm-hmm. was known for that. And Eileen was a soap actor who was like a real working actor still. I think that's still interesting. I, I the soap actor like Eileen had no fame from people that were not watching Young and the Restless or Days of Our Lives um Mm -hmm. to me so I think that is interesting actually like the anonymity of what a soap actor how they can like live in Connecticut and have like a nice upper middle class life but not have fame is cool Rinna I think is like where that show went like astray because I Mm -hmm. think that I agree she has she kind of cheapened the brand by Mm -hmm. because she was on Dancing with the Stars and whatever the mass singer but not the mass singer but like a show like that like she was on all these shows and was a but I don't know but it was fun at the time but now I'm over it and like with her then came Denise and then Garcelle and and also it's like okay Love Tori Spelling for trying the plant stories about herself. I love. Oh my god! Can you believe the number of people who actually believe that? I was like, guys, we go through this every. I mean, I would literally love for her to be like a friend of one day. What? I love her. No, definitely don't. Have you seen her? What was her most recent show where it was like she's just in a dark spot? It was like Toriality or something where it was Dean dealing with Dean cheating stuff and they were like super poor I saw an ep- a couple episodes of that that was really depressing that I didn't watch it um, but I love her so much okay I 100% do not um Damien <laughs> Bellino I could talk to you forever and ever I feel like this is a TBD kind of episode 182 I think we're gonna have to do a 182.5 in like a couple weeks because oh my gosh please I need to get more of your thoughts on the Potomac and there's so much to say and I feel like getting into the trip on Potomac and seeing what happens and um, everything else, I think, regardless of 
what our country is in for in the next couple of weeks. Um, we could use more of your light. So well, um, please have me come back um, before the holidays. I would love it. Um, would love it too. Um, tell the folks how to listen to you might know her from and a little bit about the pod. Uh, you might know her from is a podcast where we interview we talk pop culture stuff and then we interview mm-hmm. a different actor mm-hmm. um usually a woman identified actor on the show mm-hmm. and you know people who don't get enough credit we've talked to people who are connected to housewife we talked to mm-hmm. demetria mckinney who did a little stint as a friend so um check it out and you can find me on all the things at damian bellino is she still with roger bob no that ended a while no, ago no right? they're not wow interesting wow sad space um well guys listen i'm gonna post that include that vice article in the show notes for this week's episode so i hope you guys read that and enjoy and i just launched as i think i said during our recording a voting initiative with a bunch of bravo holics called chic c'est la vote c'est bon c'est bon with some of um, your favorite Bravo accounts, including Brands by Bravo, Bravo Batch, Bravo Over Brunch, Brian Moylan, Face Reality 16, Dylan Hafer, DJ Richie Sky, Faces by Bravo, Kate Casey, mainly Bravo, Amy Phillips, two Bravo sisters, the Bravo Breakdown, So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, and none other than T'Challa Samuels, who, yes, that is correct, did his own little photo shoot for this amazing quasi photo challenge to get out the vote. So go to my Instagram page at Dame Galley um, to see that, to share it, to let us know your voting plans. Um, as I just mentioned, Bravo posted it on main of the Bravo account on social literally as we started recording. So this has been a really um, fun Friday. And guys, brand new Patreon level. Andy's Girls uh, Patreon, the number one way to support your favorite fun employed Bravo-holic. Um, absolutely is making the difference in me paying some of my bills. So uh, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Um, I heard from some of you who were interested in me starting a cameo account. So I did you one better and I'm doing a premium Kafka level of Patreon where you get all of the benefits, exclusive bonus episodes, invites to special events and 10 minutes on a Zoom or phone call with me per month that you join. 10 minutes. Oh my God. Cameo gets you a 30 second happy birthday. Go fuck yourself Venmo. But the premium cackle premium level of Patreon gets you a one-on-one Andy's Girls Kiki with yours truly. That'd be me. Uh, Guys, voting. Do it. It's great. (laughs) Follow Damien. Follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Um, Share that voting challenge. Let us know your voting plans. Damien, love you to bits. Thank you, my love. Thanks for having me. We're going to... We're going to have to do a um, cackle Friendsgiving because I feel like there's so much more with Monique and Candace that I want to get into with you. So I'm so appreciative. Um, I'm grateful for, for this. Today. Also, did you paint your living room? It looks great. Yeah, I did. I painted it gray at the beginning of um, quarantine, I think. I forget now when I did it. Oh, my God. I don't know if I have seen it, but it looks amazing. You live in an adult apartment, and I love that about you. I love that journey for you. Thank you. It's <laughs> been a long one. <laughs> um, guys... Stay safe. Wear a mask. I just noticed a Salt Lake City housewife sent me a thousand DMs. So check that out. And I'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Bye.